0: Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to Calvary St. George's Org. And today is the third Sunday of Advent, also known as Gallaudet Sunday. And uh, this is um, also known as Rejoice Sunday, or as Jay pointed out, Stir Up Sunday. But uh, today we're going to focus on this concept of rejoicing. And in the church we remember the joy of the Lord by getting a little crazy and we light a pink candle instead of a purple one. Um, but uh, our, that was supposed to be really funny. But anyway, um, our reading today... Our reading today from Paul's letter to the Thessalonians is about the call to rejoice. Now, St. Paul was writing to a faithful church. However, they had become obsessed, in a large part because of heavy duty persecution, but they had become obsessed with the end times. Is Jesus coming back? Maybe he won't come back. If judgment is day is tomorrow, and this leads to the next question they were asking have I done enough? Maybe I haven't done enough. What if Jesus already came back and I missed the boat because I hadn't done enough? You know, this idea of have we done enough? This becomes a dominant question in our lives this time of year. In many ways, we are very similar to the church in Thessalonica. We are obsessed over that question. Have I done enough? Did I do enough for my wife? Did I do enough for my kids? Did I do enough at work? Whatever it is. And then this question gets translated up to God, the ultimate judge. Have I done enough for him? And we begin to confuse God, sort of, with this commercialized Western view of Santa Claus, you know? God's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. Except with God, here's the problem in this kind, of, uh, this kind of understanding. With God, instead of just being, when you're naughty, instead of just getting a piece of coal, instead you're raked over the coals in hell forever, you know. And, and uh, this is how a lot of people think. And they're completely afraid and terrified. But this is my first point. And as we move to the end of another year, as we move closer to Judgment Day, which Advent reminds us will come, The question, have I done enough, that becomes a pressing question, doesn't it? Have I done enough work? Have I done enough for my children? Have I done enough, you just fill in the blanks with whatever it is. But when that is coupled with religion, when that is coupled with religion, it creates an overwhelming pressure of anxiety in our lives. And this could be nothing further from the gospel. Have I done enough? That kind of question doesn't even come up in the good news of the gospel. St. Paul writes, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, I know what you're thinking because it's what I'm thinking. Thanks, Paul. You know, the last thing I need in the face of anxiety is more things to do. I remember um, when I was in seminary, I did CPE in Pittsburgh, and uh, we were on one of the, uh, the hospital wings where uh, the, the, um, the dementia patients were. And uh, one of my colleagues was a, was a Pentecostal minister, and we were walking down the hall and there was this woman screaming, help me, help me. And the guy walked in and was like, just rejoice in the Lord always, ma'am. And then he walked out, and you're like, what? That is terrible. That is a terrible thing to say. And you know, whatever it is, but when you're faced with a lot of anxiety, more things to do, come on. Do I need a to-do list? Just rejoice, everyone. However, the key here in Paul's text, and I want you to take a look at it, the key here is, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let me repeat that. Because that phrase shifts this passage from a to do list to a gospel declaration. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Paul has no intention of giving you a to do list here, instead, Paul is unpacking the gifts of God that are yours already in Christ Jesus. Gifts you may not even know are yours, like prayer, thankfulness, his word, his spirit. And these are, by the powers of the Holy Spirit, Christ's presence in the midst of our anxiety. I love how John the Baptist describes Jesus to the Pharisees. He says, among you is one whom you do not even know. I remember one summer, uh, between the fifth and sixth grade, I found a couple of presents in the closet that were uh, for me that my folks forgot to put under the Christmas tree the previous year, or did they? But anyway, I'm um, um, uh, single tear, little scar. But anyway, uh, the point is, these gifts were mine. I just didn't even know they were there. Prayer, thankfulness, His Word. His Spirit. These are the gifts that are there. And God knows we need them right now. Because God knows, as we prayed in our colleague, we are sorely hindered by our sin. He knows our weakness, our struggle with temptation. God knows the problems, the pressures, and the challenges that we face, all of which can create in our lives a giant seething anxiety ball of pressure. Yet God, and I love how the author of Hebrews writes it, we have a great high priest who's not ashamed of us. I mean, that's powerful. He knows. And this is my second point. The gift of a Savior, this is God's will for you. You remember when the Pharisees asked Jesus, "What is the will of God?" It wasn't this big thing we had to figure out? Well, I don't know. Should I go left or right? Should I get involved in this? It's just simply believe in the one whom He sent, the one who has come to save you. The gift of a savior, and this is my second point, the gift of a savior is the culmination of God's eternal will for you. And in the midst of the question, have we done enough? We have a God who has already done absolutely everything in the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And it is His will to reconcile you back to a perfect and peaceful relationship with Him. For in Christ, in Him alone, God has brought victory over sin and its consequences. So we can take those gifts and use them every day. We can rejoice every day, not because we have to, but because we can, for our benefit and our peace. One of Paul's key arguments in this letter is that God's will, one of the key points of this letter is that God will not fail to support you with his gospel. God will not fail to deliver you from evil with his gospel. And he will not fail to keep guard and defend you with the promises of his gospel. I love how he writes this. And keep a, just take a look, just in case you thought there was anything left for you to do. For who is the one who sanctifies you? And who is the one who makes you whole? Paul writes, may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do this. Just take that in. And let that promise hit your heart. That is better than any sermon you will ever hear preached. That is pure 100% proof gospel. My sisters and brothers, you have nothing to fear at the end of this year. You have nothing to fear when it comes to Judgment Day. If your faith and trust are in Christ and His cross. For our Lord is faithful. Just a personal confession. I struggle big time with anxiety every day. I struggle big time with it. I struggle with angry thoughts each day and each hour. And this is a common occurrence for a lot of New Yorkers. For a lot of people across the world. Everybody. If this isn't happening to you, just hold on. It's coming. But the point is, the Lord is faithful. The Lord is faithful. Whether I feel it or not, When you're pacing around your bedroom at 3 a.m. or replaying a situation or an argument you had earlier this week, God is faithful. There's always the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin and unrighteousness. As the prophet proclaims, and he proclaims this, Isaiah proclaims this particular section in captivity. There is nothing around saying outside that there's like, it's going to be great. He is in captivity and he says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robes of righteousness. Theologian Henri Nouwen once described Christian joy this way. The experience of knowing that you are unconditionally loved and that nothing sickness, failure, emotional distress, oppression, war, or even death can take that love away. Thus, joy can even be present in the midst of sadness and anxiety. This is my third point, and I'll close with this. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do this. Never forget, the Lord is always faithful. And even in the darkest times, he is at work. So be bold in your prayers, courageous in your joy, and give thanks when you have absolutely no earthly reason to give thanks. Because the one who has called you is faithful. And that's a promise, not a threat. And you have nothing to fear. So together we pray. And we pray the prayer of Advent until that time, come, Lord Jesus, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org giving. Thank you.